0: Welcome to J Mosley Ministries Transformational Living Podcast. I'm Jackie Mosley, your host, and thank you for tuning in to this episode, Is the Church for Unbelievers Part 2, that will consist of thought-provoking biblical truth to inspire you to study. And search the scriptures to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So grab you a cup of coffee, tea, or a bottle of water and go with me on this journey of biblical truth and look To the word of God, for there is a vast difference between the values this world perceives and what the Lord commands as valuable. Let us pray. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that signifies. Your remarkable love poured out for us. Your love that will never let us go. Your love that relentlessly pursues us until we yield and are broken and melted by your love. Lord, forgive the church for the absence of genuine love that have turned many away in disinterest and disappointment. God, we ask that the nature and character of love will be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Help us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace
1: lord i pray
0: that the church will become one just as you and the father are one by this all will know that we are your disciples having love for one another in jesus name i pray amen and amen so the podcast scriptures for this episode are as follows. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 14 through 15, Matthew chapter 6 verses 13 through 18, 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 12, Acts chapter 20 verses 26 through 29, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Verses 27 through 31, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 5, Revelation chapter 21, verse 2, and other scriptures that will be mentioned throughout this podcast. I would like to give <clears throat> special thanks to believers who stand for righteousness today. Thank you for continuing to trust in the Lord and being strong in the power of His might, for holding up the bloodstained banner of the Lord. Thank you for staying on the battlefield for the Lord. Thank you to all believers who have not bowed your knees to Baal and are not sitting at the table of Jezebel. Yes, 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 thank you to all believers who are troopers and champions for the Lord and are planted like a tree by the rivers of living water. The work of the Lord can be exhausting and seemed to accomplish nothing. This is how the prophet Elijah, a highly decorated spiritual warrior, felt after his showdown on Mount Carmel. He prayed and asked God to take his life because he thought he was the only one left He thought he was alone after his spiritual combat and warfare with the slaying of God's enemies, the 450 false prophets of Baal. But God told Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19 and 18, God said, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that have not kissed him. We are seeing a great falling away today and many have apostatized and departed from the faith. But God says in John chapter 10, verse 16, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So if this is you today, if you as a believer who is on the battlefield for the Lord and standing for righteousness before this wicked and perverse generation, If this is you, just know that you are not alone, my God, today. That there are others who are serving God and praying for you. God is with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. It may seem that we as believers are surrounded by darkness, by evil and wickedness. In this world. But just as David told Goliath, you come with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. Know that greater is He that is in you as a believer than He that is in the world all of the forces of darkness you are greater as a believer and remember that Satan is a defeated foe that is why you are greater Jesus defeated Satan at the cross my God today and took the sting out of death so greater is he that is in you. And I pray that this is an encouraging scripture for someone to stand on today. If you feel or if you think that you are on the Isle of Patmos today, my God, just know that God is with you, that he has not forsaken you. He has not left you, my God, today. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. For the body of Christ is the temple of God the spiritual body of Christ that consists of those who believe in him scriptures declare that believers are the temple the holy spirit dwells in us as believers We are called holy, peculiar, royal priesthood, and lively stones, bless his name. 1 Corinthians 3 and 16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his or he does not belong to him. Now that scripture right there is one of the direct answers to the question, is the church for unbelievers? For it clearly just said that if you do not have the spirit of Christ, you do not belong to him. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. Read the scriptures for yourself. So this scripture, again, gives us some inclination about is the church for unbelievers. When Jesus told Peter upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus is that rock. He is the rock and he is the foundation upon which to build. Jesus was not saying that upon this rock I will build a 5,000 square foot building with glass stained windows, no, no, no. Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, which is the body of believers. For instance, the early church was under intense opposition, persecution, and attacks from the gates of hell. But Jesus conquered the grave so that the gates of hell, which is the power of death, will not prevail or defeat those who are in Christ. Listen. Satan is not interested in a physical church building with a name attached to it. Although, although the name and work of any ministry will be tested by God. However, Satan does not come against buildings. My God today, For the scriptures say, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The scripture says, and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Satan comes against believers who does the work of the Lord and his demonic power shall not prevail. In other words, Satan is a defeated foe. He is a defeated enemy. My God today. Thank you Lord. The evil designs planned by the powers of hell to overthrow the church the wiles of the devil and his angels the realm of Satan, the malignant spirit nor their allies such as sin, persecution heresy shall be able to wreck or destroy the eternal building of the church which was founded in Christ Jesus. In the book of Acts chapter 7 verses 48 through 50 before the stoning of Stephen or Stephen he said how be it the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What house will ye build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hands made all these things? So the Apostle Paul compares the church to a human body, not a building. For the work of the Lord is not restricted to a building. The church is a body of people. Paul confirms the same thing in Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 25. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshiped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath, in all things buildings made by human hands are temporary and will pass away but our earthen vessels made by the hand of God the temple of the Holy Spirit is eternal the Holy Spirit of God does not in a building structure. He moves in you. And you move in him. The temple of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 17, the first part of verse 28. It says, For in him we live and move my God and have our being and this is why Romans 12 and 1 says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service which is your spiritual worship because sin demanded punishment. Under the Mosaic Law, God accepted the sacrifice of animals, the spilling of blood for forgiveness of sin, which was a foreshadow of the sacrifice of Christ Jesus who shed his blood for the remission of our sins. This is why As believers, we were bought with a price, and that price was the life of Jesus Christ. My God, today, God owns you. Your body and your mind belongs to Christ as a believer. As living sacrifices, believers, we are consecrated, And offer to God through our daily living. Daily living, which is our act of worship. We worship God daily. When you go to work and you you do an honest day's work with integrity, that's an act of worship. My God. Daily living. Romans 12 and 2 goes on to say, and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God so our minds belong to Christ and we are a living sacrifice to God by not conforming to this world but being transformed by renewing our mind by studying, reading, and meditating, and memorizing the word of God. The local church body is visible and folks can see the characteristics, image, and function of the local church. However, the global church body is invisible and only God knows those who are His. The visible church today, which is the local church is a misrepresentation of what the church should be as the body and bride of Christ. God has called believers to be set apart for his name and for his kingdom. But the church looks like the world around them and has blended in with the evil culture of today. God's word speaks clearly regarding these matters. In 2 Corinthians 6 and 14, Paul Warned the church at Corinth against being unequally yoked with unbelievers. For he said friendship with the world is enmity against God. And James even wrote, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. James 4 and 4. John wrote Love not the world Neither the things that are in the world If any man love the world The love of the Father is not in him For all that is in the world Which is the lust of the flesh And the lust of the eyes And the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God will abide forever. First John chapter two, verses fifteen through seventeen. My God. Believers are physically Present in this world but they do not live according to the patterns and the culture of this world not engaging in the humanistic Babylonian system that is against God neither do believers promote the corrupt value system of this world
1: and the believer is
0: not devoted to this world's treasures, philosophies, and priorities. But as believers, our priorities are set on God's eternal value system. As Matthew wrote, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Matthew 6, and thirty-three. So as followers of Christ, we are on a pilgrimage journey in this earthly life that is temporary. And we must prioritize our living according to the principles and teachings of the scriptures. Jesus' sermons on the mount, and remembering John the Baptist' message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter four, verse 17. As I mentioned previously, the apostle Paul compares the church to a human body, not a building. For the work of the Lord is not restricted to a building, but the church is a body of people. And there is a conduct or conduct that is becoming of believers because unbelievers are not going to be interested in knowing God if our conduct matches their conduct and if we are different than they are so I want to talk about a few unfortunate things that are going on in churches today. And that God will help us and give us the strength to repent and turn away from all ungodliness and everything that is not like God. Sexual immorality and sex scandals are staggering. And common in churches today. Both married and single pastors are sleeping with women and men in the church, committing adultery and fornication, and having children out of wedlock, having secret affairs. However, nowadays, Folks are more open without any remorse or repentance of heart. Folks are flamboyant and brazen and bodacious in their moral failures today, in the church, church leadership today. I have heard women say that they have slept with pastors just to hold a position in the church or to sing in the church and how tragic it is to exploit women that way. Ephesians chapter five, verses one through three says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you as is proper among saints Apostle Paul mentions in 1st Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 through 2 that there is sexual immorality among you and and this is also going on in the church and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans even unbelievers know this isn't right for a man to sleep with his wife's uh, father's wife you are arrogant The scripture says, if you are sleeping with your father's wife, you are arrogant. are you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from you. Paul goes on to say in verses 9 through 13, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people not at all meaning the sexual immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. In other words, anyone who claims the name of Christ if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an adulterer or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not to even eat with such a one. For what have I, Paul is saying, to do with judging outsiders, which is unbelievers? Believers don't have to judge outsiders. Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. This is Paul still speaking in 1 in, uh, Corinthians chapter 5. Purge the evil person from among you. my God, today. When sexual sin is prevalent in churches, this is what happens. This is how rapists, molesters, and pedophiles obtain leadership positions in the church. This is how, and I have seen the articles in the media where pastors uh, who have been who have raped or molested of people in the church have been arrested for doing such things. And they were called pastors of a church. But this is what happens. The church also will begin to have connections to human and sex trafficking rings. My God, today, and I have seen where mega churches, where there have been pastors in, in, in those positions of trust that have connections to uh, sex and human trafficking, and they're trafficking people in the church into these uh, trafficking rings. My God, that opens the door to injury and, and to harm the flock of God that ensnares leadership, making them subject to government authorities that brings individuals and churches to ruin and destruction. This is what happens. Sexual immorality should never be tolerated in the church because this is a prime example of how far this can go. My God today, And again, there have been many newspaper and media headlines where pedophiles and rapists and molesters went to prison. My God, that were in positions of trust and leadership in the church. And these folks are not believers. My God, today, and all the people whose lives they have hurt and destroyed in the process. But folks in the church with leadership positions continue to shout, don't judge me. When scriptures clearly indicate that we are as believers to judge those who are inside the church. That is our job. Why? To keep the church pure and cleansed of evil and ungodliness and unrighteousness. To, to keep the, the name of Christ pure and not bring disgrace to the name of Christ. That is why, my God, today, for Jesus said he is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. Another issue that has plagued the church today, my God, is domestic Violence and domestic violence is staggering in churches today. Pastors and leaders have been jailed and charged with domestic violence against their husbands and wives, destroying their marriages and their families. Domestic violence between a husband and wife. Violates the covenant relationship established by God and under no circumstances should abuse ever be justified and it's never the fault of the victim. Domestic violence is an abuse of power Motivated by a desire to control and manipulate the life of another human being. It severely damages relationships and often destroys the relationship beyond repair. The act of abuse is never an act of Christian love. Christ's self-giving love encourages the full growth of an individual while domestic abuse seeks to stifle the victim's autonomy through dominance, replacing love with violence and fear. Those who have been abused have been denied the right to to be decision makers in their own lives by God today and the sad reality is when the victim comes forward about the abuse to church leadership but when the church leadership refuses to believe the victim but favoring and justifying the abuser or the perpetrator that another layer of abuse on the victim which is called double abuse or secondary abuse. So now the victim is abused by the church that exacerbates the trauma and increases emotional and psychological harm of the victim. God help us today. 1 Peter 3 and 7 says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way. As with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman. And grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. My God, today, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James 5 and 16b, the second half. The apostle Peter admonished all believers on how to keep, their fellowship prayer channel with God free from obstruction and interruption just because a title is in front of your name doesn't mean you're righteous or gives you permission to mistreat or harm anyone living with your wife in an understanding way means to be considerate of her needs, concerns, desires, and hurts. It means to be sensitive and attuned to her. My God, my God. Husbands who dismiss their spouse's feelings or worries, who downplay or minimize her hurts, who outright ignore her interests, are not fulfilling this mandate. A man's submission to his wife begins with the practice of consideration. Peter warns men that the way they treat their wives directly impacts their prayers. God will not answer your prayers, my God, today. And right now, this this is directed to the men who are in leadership, my goodness. Character plays a part in our prayers. Husbands who are harsh and selfish, yet maintains that he is a godly man whose life is marked by spiritual growth and faithfulness is deceived or deceptive. God himself refuses to hear or answer the prayers of such a man. His prayers are not powerful in their working because he is not a righteous man. We just quoted the scriptures, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, not an unrighteous man, but a righteous man's prayers, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. My God today, my God, character impacts prayer the word likewise means in like manner similarly or in the same way also and refers back to the duty of submission for all christians This was mentioned in 2 Peter 13, 18, and 2 Peter 3 and 1. Even the Apostle Paul speaks to the Ephesians regarding the specific responsibility of husbands and wives. Read chapter 5. For Paul establishes the universal principle of mutual submission for Christian households Ephesians 5 and 21 says submitting yourselves who? to one another in the fear of God in other words it's a two way street it's not a one way street but it's a two way street submission is a two way street anybody Who's professing to be in Christ and loving one another? Love breeds submission one to another. Godly love, a godly love, spiritual love is submission to one another. Submission is not simply a wifely duty, it is a Christian duty. And therefore, husbands. And all Christians are commanded to live in submission as well. Psychological control, manipulation, and intimidation, which is lording over the flock, continues to be problematic in churches today. Self-absorbed pastors and leaders who are preoccupied with their own needs being met and the needs of the people are being ignored. Pastors and leaders use intimidation through the force of personality or by superior display of wealth and or talent to frighten weaker folks to do what they want them to do. Pastoring and leading by fear instead of love. Pastors and leaders are occupying the pulpit as a means to control and manipulate people to get what they want using obligation and guilt and bullying and aggressive behavior. Shepherds are overseers, not lords, my God, today. Let me repeat that. Shepherds are overseers, not lords. The world abuses authority, but shepherd leadership learns by faith and should be workers approved by God. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 25 says, And the Lord's servants must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. And that is people in the church who are professing to be Christ, not the outsiders or the unbelievers. But this is inside the church. If God may perhaps grant them repentance so they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do His will. In the spiritual realm, God entrusts shepherds with leadership influence, not lordship authority. Shepherd leadership does not resort to the psychological abuse of spiritual manipulation and forceful tactics in spiritual matters. True spiritual leadership uses influence, not force. The leader must depend on the Holy Spirit in his own life as well as in the lives of those he is leading because the Holy Spirit is working not only in the shepherd leader, but also in each of the sheep. Dictators manipulate and intimidate, so people are forced to follow. Leaders encourage and inspire, so people are glad to follow. A major problem Occurs when a pastor or leader takes their operational authority into the spiritual realm. That authority is reserved for Jesus Christ alone. Pastors and leaders are not mediators between man and God, there is only one mediator, and that is Christ. Gave a rod to human government for societal authority. God gave a rod to parents for parental authority. God gave a rod to employers for leadership authority. God gave a rod to pastors over their staff or leadership for excommunication authority, for church discipline if needed, not for the flock. So in the spiritual realm, God gave pastors leadership, not lordship. My God today, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 14, says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory, will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Serve I'll say that again. Serve them as overseers not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will not fade away. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willing, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Peter 5, 2 and 3. A shepherd was to feed and to protect the sheep. And this is the same thing a New Testament pastor or leader and leaders must do. Any leader who demands blind obedience and submission is building on a false basis of authority. True authority only comes from God and cannot be seized by men who seek power and authority over others or who wants to be in charge and admired. It's really something today how I see many, many people have uh, or bears the title apostle as if they have the right to Uh, be Lord over people's life or if they come into your presence and you may not know them but just because they have the title apostle in front of their names they think they have the authority and the right to tell you how to live your life and you don't know them from Adam and that is not uh, biblical authority my God but questioning leaders is not allowed in churches uh, with heavy shepherding or where spiritual abuse is happening. Because the leader is in authority and authority in those churches are always right. And such spiritual manipulation denies the truth. Ephesians 1 and 22 says that Christ is the head of the church. A believer's loyalty should be given to Christ. Some leaders even claim to have divine authority and approval, meaning to disobey them is equivalent to disobeying God, which can be farthest from the truth. This is perhaps the most harmful form of spiritual manipulation that has no place, no place in a true church. These behaviors of folks in pastoral and other leadership positions is appalling. and has brought much disgrace to the name of Christ and defiles the church. Once these behaviors are exposed and brought to the light, no one does nothing. No one is held accountable for their actions. And these types of pastors and leaders are continuing, are continuing to operate in their positions with with impunity. So much, much prayer. We need to pray for our leaders that we will learn to love one another and that we will live with the righteousness of Christ. My God today and forbear one another and forgive one another and speak the truth in love and those who are spiritual to restore those, if possible. We need to take responsibility for our positions in the church and not abuse the authority that God has given us as leaders of the church. Jesus asked Peter, if you love me, he said, Peter, do you love me? He said, feed my sheep, my God. And that's what pastors and leaders are to do, feed the flock of God. For Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is the head. And we are to represent the church in this dark world, in this dying world. For we are the light of Christ. We are lights in a very, very dark world. Thank you for listening to Transformational Living Podcast. Depositing for Eternity as Spiritual Millionaires. Tune in to the upcoming episodes coming your way soon. Babylon is Falling dishonest scales, weights and merchants. Babylon is falling. Master conspirator modus operandi raised by wolves and Judas is everywhere. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God bless you and keep you is my prayer.